In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Pathfinder podcast. I'm Ben George along with Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane at Pathfinder Wealth Management. And today we're going to hop into a pretty fun topic, one I'm looking forward to, and that's uh, solid financial truths. More so now than ever, I think it's important to know what's true and what's not out there because it's been a pretty crazy uh, couple of months. This this was, episode is being recorded mid-March and uh, will debut and publish in early April. So there might not be a whole lot that changes between now and then, but hopefully it's made a turn for the positive. But it's been a crazy uh, last few weeks. I'm sure it has at your office as well. Yes. Yeah, it has been. I mean, most of the time, it's kind of funny. We had a we had a seminar here. We had about 150 of our, our clients show up to a, a brunch we did recently. And I, I told the group there were only about two or three folks that called in and, and were kind of... Uh, uh, a little bit nervous about the market. You know, they wanted some advice and guidance. And I said, but the rest of you didn't call in because you thought we were, we were going to yell at you. <laughs> we were going to yell at you and tell you, don't get out, you know, don't be a dummy. But, you know, hopefully, and we're not going to predict the market as to what's going to happen when this uh, this podcast comes out, Ben. But uh, let's assume that markets kind of settle down a little bit. Uh, things are, are more rational uh, out there, you know, so instead of 100% non-confidence vote, like what's going on at this, the day we're doing this, uh, there's better confidence. And so here, here's the thing we want to, you know, to tell our, our listeners is even though markets have settled out, you probably are thinking in your mind, well, gosh, when this starts to come back again, I'm going to sell out. So I never want to go through this again, right? Well, understand that, you know, <laughs> investing in the market is not a 10-day or a 10-week process. This is a 10-year process. And what you hold are very valuable assets. You're holding shares of companies that are great companies. They're the best companies in the world. They make products and services that you, you know, if you look around your room, you you own companies that have manufactured some of these products and, and provided services to you. So that's, that's not the time to get out. You have to ask yourself, are you a long-term investor, believe in the American free enterprise system, American capitalism, or are you going to get out because you're so afraid of going through this roller coaster again? And so um, we want you to hang in there. The other side of this thing is that we always tell our clients, you know, that we're concerned about their health first and foremost. If this thing is still going on, you know, you need to uh, take care and be aware of, of health care procedures. Uh, follow your doctor's instructions. Follow what the CDC is saying and what the president is advocating. Because, you know, you can make money again in the markets. Markets will return, but, but dead people don't. And so you want to make sure that you you stay healthy. We want you to be around a long time as an investor. So stay healthy. Well, I hope by that time things have settled too. And uh, of course, this is an extreme uh, situation it is. Yeah. because mm-hmm. our economy is very strong. So, you know, now it's put us into a hopefully a temporary recession. But um, one of the thing our listeners uh, I want to hear is that something will always come up. Granted, like I said, the coronavirus is extreme, um, but you call our office if you have any concerns. And we don't have very many of our clients calling, so they do understand. But then the next thing, it'll be the election. So that's also that also causes uncertainty temporarily in the market. And so markets don't like that because it's uh, they don't you know, they don't know which way the election will go. So that's another downturn, although temporary and not as extreme as this, but, you know, kind of brace yourself for that because that will also happen. You know, what else I want to tell you here too, Ben, before we launch off in these, into these particular other uh, topics is that, 
you know, if you look back and you see where the Dow was compared to uh, today, you know, it was only about a year to a year and a half ago that the Dow was at, a, at its current levels, at least 22,000, 23,000. Don't know where it's going to be in April, but, uh, you know, that's about a year's worth of, of loss in the market. It's not a lifetime worth of loss. Right. And so people that have been investing for a long time understand this and they're not uh, willing to bail out. Yeah, it's tough when you're in the moment to not have perspective, but you got to take a step back and just kind of see the bigger picture. You know, especially if people who went through an 08 kind of know and are prepared yes. for this. But even if you're new to this and it's overwhelming, especially when you open up your, your accounts and look at maybe your latest statement. Oh, can, don't do that. Don't, take, don't open <laughs> don't up your look. statement. <laughs> that would be the advice, huh? Just just stay away. You know what the plan yeah. is and just stick to it. Yeah, that's, yep. that, that's it. Uh, well, that's why we wanted to talk about this topic today on the podcast uh, of solid financial truth, because you need to base your plan around these truths and, and kind of this, this foundation, essentially, to uh, how you build your plan. Because, you know, a lot of the conversations we have and a lot of things in the financial landscape kind of has that clause. It depends, right? And it does, because it depends on your specific situation. But, you know, it can be frustrating when things are so fluid and they vary person to person. But we want to discuss these truths, you know, that we can state with confidence and what we can learn from them. So we got uh, four that we want to run through today. And very fitting to lead off with this first one, because it, it seems to be the case now more so than ever. But realize that TV and even newspapers and print can be your biggest enemy. You know, that's a, that's a really interesting topic. And we can go back 100 years. And, uh, you know, back, uh, back 100 years ago, there were a bunch of journalists that got together in Colorado and, and they came up with this, this idea that, uh, uh, that people in China were, um, the missionaries over there were going to try to overthrow uh, the government um, in China. And it created, it was, a, it was basically false news, fake news, but basically it created a, the China, the Boxer Rebellion and many, many uh, thousands of people you know, innocent people were killed because of the fake news that was put out there. So TV can be your biggest enemy or any type of media for that event. You know, if you think about TV, traditionally, you know, it has shaped the norms and values of the American public. TV has, you know, topics that were taboo in the 50s are now mainstream. Uh, during the early years of television, you know, women dressed modestly, men didn't swear, and sex was a topic only discussed in the bedroom, you know. Uh, but then let's turn to the influence of the financial media in recent weeks or months. Uh, you know, as serious as the recent coronavirus epidemic is and, and still could be, uh, it appears that, you know, it has become really the, the media darling, the media event. So let's draw some comparisons and, and see what the differences have been over periods of time. You know, back in 2009, uh, this world faced a similar virus outbreak known as the swine flu. And during uh, a short period of time, during this pandemic, this virus spread from Mexico to the entire world. Deaths worldwide were estimated to be almost a half a million people. Now, in the U.S. alone, 59 million people were affected by the virus, and 200,000 were hospitalized. Believe it or not, 12,000 people died, Barb, during that epidemic. The virus affected you know, all ages, not just elderly. However, this event barely made headlines. You didn't hear about it much in the media. Markets didn't drop. Right. Events weren't canceled. You know, entrance into the companies weren't halted. You know, our borders weren't necessarily protected. Uh, now, we, you know, we must be vigilant with the threat of, of this new virus. But by comparison, it's just so different. And I heard uh, Senator Lindsey Graham say that every time uh, the news talks about uh, a new coronavirus death, it, they report it in such a way it sounds like it's an airplane crash. 
you know, it's, it's that dramatic and that sensational. So the media events uh, are having a tremendous impact on markets, on manufacturing, on services in this country and around the world, and the overall economy. You know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, Ben, but, um, but I can see where events are, that are sensationalized can be done so to achieve a certain outcome and with all of its side effects and its consequences. So as I stated at the first, you know, TV, the media has always had, a, had an effect on our norms and values, but we can uh, see it's affecting stock markets in the mm-hmm. economy, and, uh, and that will be either through confidence or through fear. Yeah, it's, it's extreme. Well, the two topics excel are what? Fear and greed. Yeah, that's right. So financial services spent $43 billion in advertising worldwide in 2018. And they wouldn't spend it if it weren't profitable. They need viewers. So you have to turn off this news after a while, which leads me to the next topic in just a moment. And that's talking about emotions. So I'm yeah. just going to... Did you have um, anything you wanted to add to that, Ben, before I, because I wanted to discuss emotions because I think that's such an important topic. Yeah, no, I think uh, let's get right into it. I mean, emotions are a big part of it and we're seeing that right now. I mean, it's impossible right now to to watch the news or, or, or see the way the market's going and not act emotionally. It's your money. You're going to be emotional, but it's important to remember that that's not going to be a benefit for you if you're following your emotions. Right. It leads to a whole other issue uh, when it comes to your emotions, because that's how, how it affects individuals. Typically, when we're fearful, we want to get rid of that pain as fast as possible. And that's when people make snap decisions and they sell and they buy at the wrong time. But you never make good decisions out of fear or greed. It, it's never going to be a good decision. So this is, we just talked about this at a recent client class uh, the end of February. What happens in the stock market today, tomorrow, or next week doesn't matter as far as your portfolio is concerned. You have, our clients have a long-term plan, a 30-year plan in place, and we're going to have downturns in the market that's figured into a 30-year plan. We just don't know when they'll occur. What we do know is that based on the history of the stock market, it does recovery, and the recovery is, generally speaking, the next year following a downturn. But what's interesting is that there's a company called Dalbar that is an independent company that rates investor behavior. And if you look at the uh, 20-year average of the S&P 500, it produces about a 10% average annual return. And what they found out is the average investor gets about 4% return. So why is there a 6% discrepancy? And what they discovered is that the average investor has uh, is exchanging their portfolio. They're buying and selling every 3.2 years. So they're never allowing their averages to work in their favor. But when people sell at the downturn of a market, especially in a downturn right now, you have realized those losses and it could take years to recover if you ever do. So our advice is to limit your access to fear-mongering information, all the news outlets. Yeah, Barb, you know, I, I think that people kind of take a, a, a very, very short-term view on, on uh, pain. We all want the magic bullet, the, the pill, the operation to, to kind of fix us. And so, you know, we, we encourage our clients, you know, don't think of, of the market uh, over the next 10 days or 10 weeks or, or even 10 months. Think of it over the next 10 years. And, and then I have clients that will tell me, well, I'm not going to be alive in 10 years, right? Well, you may not be, but I'll guarantee your children and grandchildren will be. So you want to do what's good for them. You want to put in place those particular strategies and, and proven theories that, that will, or proven techniques that will go ahead and, uh, and secure their wealth for a lifetime. The other thing that we're really concerned about is something called comparative analysis, you know. So, uh, you know, you pick up the latest uh, uh, financial news magazine. It talks about the 10 best mutual funds to invest in 
today. And it's based on last year's information, right? Right. And so what you do is you get out of that particular mutual fund, buy the new one, and guess what mm -hmm. happens? It goes down the next year. Then you buy next year's magazine, you do the same thing over and over and over again. And that's part of the reason, you know, it's it's really not so much a, a matter of, of market behavior as it is uh, investor behavior. And so we want to make sure that people understand that they've got to have a plan. They got to have a coach. They got to have somebody there that's going to encourage them to stay the course and and go with the plan, stay with the plan. Yeah, if we just sold out on our clients, then you know what good was the plan to begin with? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the next uh, truth that we need to be aware of, and it's very evident right now, but that is the market always moves in cycles. It's great when it's going up, but you have to be aware that it will take a downturn. It's been extreme recently, but still, it's going to go up and down all the time. I know. Yeah. In fact, I wish I had a dime. Uh, every time somebody tells us whatever goes up must come down <laughs> as if it's a law of nature. Oh, wait, it is a law of nature. It's called gravity. <laughs> but, but the question is, does it really apply to the stock market? Well, here's a definitive answer for you. Yes and no. How about that? What I mean by that is this, that, you know, in my mind, there are two kinds of market activity. The first activity is what we see happening in the stock market on a daily basis. Of course, you know, we understand that published bad news or, or lack of any news, uh, like we have recently in the coronavirus situation where we don't, you know, everything's uncertain, has a negative effect on the daily prices. And why is this? Why do, why do markets react so negatively when we don't hear good news or we hear bad or no news? Well, it's because of wild moves we see as on the downside due to what we call the big institutional traders. A lot of people aren't aware of this, but what they do is when they're, when they're moving huge blocks of stock, they can make or lose millions of dollars based on a few market points one way or the other. Many of these stock traders finance trades on something called margin, where they're going to go ahead and use their current stock position to buy or borrow money and leverage their, their particular uh, positions to buy more stock. Well, so if markets move in the wrong direction, they may be forced to sell not only their own stock, but multiples of stock above what they own based on this mm -hmm. borrowed money called margin. Of course, uh, that is called moving the market. And if you have hundreds of firms doing this, and that's what we believe is happening right now, it's not the average investor that's getting out, Barb. It really isn't. Right. You know? I mean, I talked to a lot of my investor friends that are uh, working for other firms, not ours, and, and I asked them how many people really have moved out. Very few, very few people. It's the big institutional firms that are doing this for their own their own benefit of their firms, they're moving the market. So uh, they, you need to be aware of that. So they move the market and, uh, and uh, you know, this will cause the, the markets to drop by thousands of points in a short period of time. Now, the other activity that's going on in the market is a reflection of prices rising or falling over time due to the success or failure of a company. So company stock, of course, represents ownership. So as a stockholder, we are now, uh, we now own part of, of the company's success. So when the market goes up over time, it reflects the wealth that is, is being created at that company. And this is interesting, but wealth is created every day in this country and around the world out of thin air. Yep, I'm going to repeat that. Wealth is created out of thin air. It's not a, a zero-sum game. Here's an example. When a farmer buys a bag of corn seed and plants it in the ground, that bag of seed costs approximately $100. That bag of corn can potentially produce, listen to this, 600 bushels or more on an acre. The price of corn per bushel on the chart today is $3.27. So the farmer invests $100 to buy the corn, but it produces 
600 potential bushels, which would give him about $2,000 worth of profit. That's, that's wealth created out of thin air, Barb, the way that works. So wealth is virtually created out of thin air, or in this case, black dirt, okay? Of course, uh, you know, we have to subtract out the cost of fertilizer and pesticides and the cost of fuel and equipment, all the rest, but that is a wonderful concept. But much like a seed of corn, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is, or the S&P 500 when you compare it, but the Dow Jones, when I got involved in the business back 40 years ago, was at 800 points, 800. And then, of course, yesterday it was worth 23,000. During that 40-year period of time, I've been in the business. That's an incredible amount of wealth created. Right. Those companies not only created products and services that we bought and consumed over the many years, but it also, those companies paid wages the workers that created those products and services and also created wealth for the retailers who sold those products, created wealth for the vendors that had to put the materials into the products and so forth and so on. That's called capitalism as opposed to socialism, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to understand the difference there. Capitalism always wins. Why? Because everybody wins in a capitalistic society if it's done properly. So in the long run, as companies grow and the economy improves, markets always go up. I like the example of the farmer, and that's very true, because for every buyer, there has to be a seller. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So although we don't want to see the markets dropping right now, this is a great time to buy, because this is when the market reaches its new highs. But, you know, I think about the mountain chart of the stock market, and it's, and it's called that for a reason, because if you look at 87 and 2000 through 2002, 2008, and probably now, you know, if you look at the history going back to the 1920s, these are just little blips along the radar as the market continues to climb. Yep, speed bumps along the way. Yeah. And if the market weren't up more than it is down, then people wouldn't invest because you'd never know what to expect. We do know what to expect when we design a portfolio, when we know the risk and historical returns information, academic data from Nobel Prize winning research. All of that gives us the confidence of knowing we're doing the right thing for our clients. It's times like this that we rebalance, but we certainly don't overhaul an entire portfolio. No way. No way. If you've got a plan in place, stick with the plan. That's the best, our best advice to our client. Yeah, definitely. Well, the last one I wanted to, to bring attention to people is... And we're talking about truths. I think the one thing people need to realize is they probably aren't as risk tolerant as they think they are. And I think a lot of people are learning that right now. And these are really good topics to talk about right now for what's going on in the stock market. But uh, I like this one because it's easy to say that you have a high risk tolerance, a high tolerance for risk when the stock markets are up. But very few can tolerate the downside of high risk. So high risk meaning almost your entire portfolio is allocated to stocks, stock funds, mutual funds. And those are high return portfolios, which are great on the upside, but not so much on the downside. Well, this is interesting. I met with a client one week before the coronavirus news, and he's a new investor, and he's wondering why he hasn't made any money. Well, he became a client in mid-2018, and that was a down year. Last year, on a moderate portfolio of ours, he had made 11%. So I had to explain to him that the minimum time to give an investment is 10 years at the very, very least seven, because you have to get through several years of market returns. And it's important to know that you have to be in an investment for the long term. Otherwise, the averages will never work in your favor, kind of like the Delbar research that I was explaining. So this client wanted to adjust his portfolio to the next moderate allocation, and he wanted to see more return. And I said, okay, higher highs mean lower lows. So let's talk about that. Now, we don't often make portfolio changes with our clients because we're not going to be chasing returns, but we'll make one change or possibly two if they're a long-term client, but it's rare. 
Well, he wanted to give some thought to our conversation. And then the next week, news broke on the coronavirus outbreak. Hmm. And midweek, he sends me an email and says, I think right now I'm going to hold off. I want to, we want to think about this a little bit more. So again, it's easy to want more in a good year, but just remember that higher highs mean lower lows. The thing to remember is that the key to a diversified portfolio is not to give you the highest highs, it's to minimize your downside risk. You know, it's it's really interesting that that those that study uh, behavior uh, activity uh, have determined that, Barb, you know, that when, when markets are going up, everybody is is happy and, you know, everybody's an expert at that point. But when markets take a downturn, uh, people are two and a half times more worried about losing money than they are the markets going up. There's a greater concern about markets going down. Here's the greater emotion. Uh, sure. abs absolutely. Two and a half uh, times more fear of it going up than the, than the, uh, the, the satisfaction of knowing markets go up. So, so at times, you know, uh, the importance of, of, of us is as your investment coach is at times we have to do an intervention. You know, mm -hmm. which is an old medical term, of course, to, to keep people from doing harm to themselves. Well, we want to make sure that they don't do harm to their portfolios and to their investment plan, to their to their future. And, uh, you know, these people that go out there to and use robo advisors or try to do it on their own. Good luck with that, because there's nobody there to really coach them or encourage them that, you know, it's not not any different this time. It's, we've seen this this particular rodeo before. You need to stay with the plan, stay on pace, stay on track. Uh, you know, it's like the airplane pilot that gets into the airplane. You know, he runs a checklist every time he gets into that airplane. He doesn't say, hey, I don't want to, you know, follow uh, item number 10 because I think it's, there's a better way to do it. You know, he goes by a proven track record in that, uh, that checklist, in that plan. And that's what our plans are designed to do is help you stay on task. So uh, an investment coach, just like a, a training coach in the gym, the football coach, the basketball coach, those are all important people in your lives. You got to stick with them. Well, you know, people don't know what they don't know. So That's like right. you said, they need a guide. Mm -hmm. And if you think about a lot of inv investors, if uh, during the working years, they're just contributing to a 401k. So it's mindless. You contribute to that 401k. You don't have to do anything because you can't access it pre 59 and a half. And then one day you retire and it's like, whoa, uh -oh. now all of a sudden you're yeah. in the decumulation phase and you're taking money out and this has to last you for the rest of your life. So you, know, you don't really need a plan in the accumulation phase, but in the decumulation phase to get through 30 years of retirement, you definitely do. And that's when we have to help our clients um, understand that staying the course of that original plan is so important. Yeah, it's all great information. I think now's the time that I think a lot of people are realizing that uh, these are the truths when it comes down to it, because it might, everything might seem roses uh, for, for a long time. And it was, it was very easy for many people mm -hmm. to invest and be successful. Mm -hmm. that's right. And now they're seeing that uh, that's not the case, but you fall back on these truths and you know that you can build your plan around that and minimize uh, your, your losses when things turn uh, south like they have. So all great information. And, you know, these are things that Barbara and Phil work with with clients. So if, if you are someone that doesn't have a plan, haven't felt you needed a plan, now you do. You think you want to sit down with somebody and figure this out, reach out to them. You can do so at pathfinderwealth.com. You can also call their office at 815-399-9806 and they'll be happy to sit down with you and go through your plan. If you already have one, figure out uh, what needs to be adjusted. And if you don't, go ahead and set you up so that you, uh, you'll you be on solid footing uh, going forward and in, in into your retirement. So thanks you both for uh, this conversation today. I, you know, 
I know we, we'd like to be talking about these things on better terms, but uh, it is just the reality of the matter right now. And it's, uh, it's great to, to kind of have some perspective and, and kind of figure out how to adjust and how to move forward. Yep. Thank you, listeners, for Thanks. listening. And remember to check your email for videos we'd be sending to. Yes, indeed. And if you want to get those, if you aren't getting them already, you can do so by connecting with uh, Barbara and Phil at PathfinderWealth.com. So hit subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to the show. And we'll have a new episode coming out in just a couple of weeks. So thank you for listening to the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben George for Phil and Barbara. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Have a great week. Take care. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.